Today's topic is Jesus Christ is the Lamb. Jesus Christ is the Lamb. We shall read from the Bible in the book of Exodus chapter 12 from verse 1 to verse 13 and then we'll take it from Matthew chapter 26 from verse 26 to 29. It's quite a lot to read but it's important that we read it. The Lord said to Moses, that's Exodus chapter 12, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people they are. You are to determine the amount of the lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animal you choose must be a must be year old male without defect of defect, and you must you may take them from the ship or god. Take care of them until the fourteenth day of each month or of the month, when all the, num the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with, her with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your, with your clock tucked into your belt, your sunlight on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you over on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. I want us to go now to the book of Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. There we will take from a verse 26 where it reads thus. This is, this is now uh, Jesus in the last, uh, last supper. While, Jesus, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my blood. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out, which, sorry, which is poured out for many for the righteousness of sin. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Father, we thank you for your word. Speak to us and minister as you please, God, and change our lives through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Every year, we Christians, we celebrate what we refer to as Good Friday. Some people call it Easter's. This is the time where we celebrate the, third, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the grave. I've heard quite a number of people ask, why do you refer to it as a Good Friday? What is good in it and what is there? So today's uh, sermon is going to talk about the importance of uh, the, this whole Good Friday thing and why are we so much concerned about the Passover. Now, we have read two uh, scriptures, one in the Old Testament and the other one in the New Testament. You can wonder how this uh, scripture, they interact, but they do. Because this is actually one thing, although it has a very, very, very different or different meanings, a different actually is occurring in different times, and the interpretation is quite different, but the purpose is one. Now, if we go to the first chapter or the first text that we read from the book of Exodus chapter 15, that is where we see God speaking to Moses. He's telling him of what to do to uh, help out the children of Israel. This was a condition the children of Israel had been in Egypt for quite a number of years, and then now they were slaves of Pharaoh. Pharaoh was enslaving the children of Israel. They were working hard under pressure, and he didn't care much for them. Now they cried to God as they are God of their forefathers. They prayed to the Lord God that he, relieves, he saves them from this harsh life, and he gives them a better life. So God decided to send Moses. What happened is that Moses had to approach Pharaoh. He was with Aaron, of course, and then he had to talk to him that he should please release the children of Israel. We know the story that Pharaoh didn't agree at first because of the hard-heartedness. And we learn through the word that that was intentionally done by God. He wanted to show his power and to prove that he is a God who is mighty and what he does, no one can stop. Actually, if you, if you read on, on all the plagues that happened to, Egypt, to the Egyptians, you get to understand that these were, were their gods. <clears throat> these were the gods of the people of Egypt. They believed in this god, the god of fertility, the god of this. So God had to first strike these things. That's why he said in, in verse 2, God had to deal with these gods. So God then uh, sent Moses to go to Pharaoh to speak to him so he could release the children of Israel. This was not easy. It was not an easy thing for him. But after all the plagues that occurred, then God said this last one. It was the last time he was, he was solving the issue now. He told Moses to go and tell the children of Israel to do what we just read. God was going to kill all the firstborns of animals and of human beings of the Egyptians. But the Israelites had to do something. What had to happen here? They had to kill a lamb without a blemish, which was a lamb that without defect. That was pure. And they had to keep it for 14 days and then they would slaughter it at twilight such that they could take the blood and put it on the doorpost or the door lentils such that when the, in this, uh, the angel of the Lord passes, when he sees the blood, he will not get inside. He will pass over. That's why we have the word, the pass over. It is a pass over. He passes over. He does not kill. Now, there are things I want us to note. The first thing is that there is the issue of blood. 
Remember, we talked about atonement. There is the issue of blood that will redeem or will save the people or the children of Israel. They had to kill a lamb, and this lamb had to be without defect. Now, when we talk about or blemish, when we talk about defect, we're talking about that it shouldn't have, say, something like sports or anything in, on it. It should be pure, clean, and ready to be killed or slaughtered such that it can be a sacrifice. Now, it shouldn't be, uh, there, should be any, there shouldn't be any defect in it. Now, they had to kill it and present it. If you're talking about, I also want to come now to the text that we read in the New Testament. Now, we know Jesus Christ came on earth as a human being, the descendant of David. He came on earth in the flesh, born by the Virgin Mary, and he was on this earth. Now, he knew very well, we read scripture, that Jesus Christ knew he was supposed to die. He must die. His purpose was clear to him that it was to save humanity. It was to save us from the sin, from the guilt of sin. So when he came on earth, he knew he was supposed to die. Where we read, it is the Last Supper, where he was with the disciples. Note that Jesus Christ did not condemn the Passover, and he participated effectively. As a Jew himself, he obeyed the law of Moses, because the law of Moses, if we read in the Old Testament, God told the Israelites that they were supposed to continue to do the Passover for generations to come for generations and generations. So Jesus Christ is born along this line as one of the generations, and he observed that. We understand and we get a proof of that when he told his disciples in Matthew chapter 26 that they should go and prepare where they will have the Passover. And then this is where they are at the table. There are things that are very important that we should note what is happening on the table. The first thing, when they conducted the Passover, they were supposed to offer a lamp without blemish, a lamp without defeat, defect, I'm sorry, that was pure. Now, we can say that represents sin. It should be a lamp without sin. So anybody or anything that needed to be sacrificed to reconcile man to God had to be pure without any sin. And it was only Jesus Christ who had no sin. He was made sin. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. In other words, Jesus Christ had no defect. No person on this earth, I'm sorry to say, has no sin. Everybody has sinned against God. And he needs to be delivered. But Jesus Christ, he had to be made sin. He had no sin. The verse, let me continue reading, 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus Christ qualified now to be the lamb because he had no sin. He was a sinless person. He lived on this earth for 33 years and he never committed any sin. The other thing that we note is that they had to separate the lamb, keep it for 14 days. 
There is something special about 14. There's quite a lot we learn. Uh, we read in the Bible about the number 14. So the first time we just get to the Genesis 31 verse 41, it was like, for 20 years I was in, the, in your household. I worked for you uh, 40, uh, 14 years for the two daughters. That's Jacob saying that. If you read in Matthew, the Bible says in the first book, in Matthew chapter 117, there were 14 generations from Abraham to David, and then uh, there were also 14 generations from David to Babylon, and 14 generations from exile to the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. We also find it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse 2, for I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was called up to the third heaven. So in other words, there's something important about the 14. What is it? If you go back to the Greek and try to understand the, the, the origin or what it means, some they say it actually 14 is a number of fullness. It's a number of fullness. But a deeper definition is that this word comes from the number comes from, it's so, it's so important to understand this. It comes from the word yod dalet, which is actually represented by the hand. You see the hand of, person, the, of a person, they say it has 14 knuckles. So the 14 joints that we see, there are those that we can't see that make up 20, but the 14, that those are in the fingers are 14. So if you shake a hand with another person, it's kind of like, when you shake a hand, there is no hand that is above another hand. All the hands are equal. So in other words, it is a sign of friendship or a sign of agreement, of equality. There is no one that is above another person. It is a sign that now we can communicate. We are agreed on whatever we are saying. So they were supposed to take the lamp and put it aside until they get the number of fullness, until... Uh, they were sure now whatever they were, they in a good friendship with God. They were in the right standing and right position with God. Because look at this. God could have said they should keep it for five days, for three days, for 20 days, for 40 days, or whatever days, but he said 14. There is something significant on that. Now, now we are told about Jesus Christ now with his disciples that they had to prepare this lamp. Now, we also know that the Bible says Jesus was supposed to be a firstborn. Jesus Christ was the firstborn, born from the lady or the, for the virgin Mary. He was the firstborn. So Jesus Christ is the lamb. In other words, he had no sin and he was born of a virgin Mary. And he also, he was male. He was sinless and he was the son of God. Now, as we proceed with the issue of the lamb, they had to kill it and put the, the blood on the door They had to kill it. So blood had to be shed. On the cross, our Lord Jesus Christ shed the blood. He shed his own blood for our sins. He, he, he shed his blood. And that was something, that the blood that redeemed us. It was the blood that was on the doorpost that redeemed the children of Israel. They escaped the killing by the angel. Before I dwell deeper on the blood, I want to talk also about the unleavened bread that they had to eat in haste. The Bible says, the, the, the first, I'll talk about the flesh and then the unleavened bread. The flesh, they had to roast it. Because actually the flesh 
and the unleavened bread, they go together. So they had to roast the meat. You know, when you roast meat, it's unlike cooking meat. God told them not to cook the meat, but they were supposed to roast the meat. You see, when you roast meat, there's nothing that is gone. All the nutrients are kept on the steak. But if you boil meat, actually you, you lose some of the nutrients depending, depending on how much water that you put on the pot where you're boiling the meat. But you lose some of the meat. So he wanted them to get it all as pure as it is. And it is as it is. They, had, they were supposed to eat it in haste. They were to roast this meat, not to boil it. The other thing that we note there is the unleavened bread that they were supposed to eat. So this is bread without yeast. So this is bread that is just pure. There is nothing that is there. If we talk about living, we're talking about sin that represented sin. So the body had to be without sin, which is other words, the, the bread should not have any dirt in it. So they were supposed to eat it and eat it in haste, ready to go. There are some things that I want us to note there. You see, when you're talking about bread, in the making of bread, you, you, the dough is prepared by hand, and you, all the punching and all these things, it's painful maybe to the flour if there were some sensors on it, but it is not an easy process, and the process ends in the roasting in a hot oven. And then the bread tends to be to brown, and it can be eaten. You cannot eat it before it is ready. Jesus Christ, he talks to the, uh, to the disciples on the last supper. He breaks bread and said, this is my body. Take and eat. This is my body. He so the unleavened bread symbolized his body. This was his body. Now, if you talk about the body that is from the oven, in other words, the, the life of Jesus Christ, he suffered on this earth. He suffered rejection, opposition from the Pharisees, rejection from family members, hate by his community. We know that they didn't love him, they didn't reject his message, and the Bible said from that time he stopped preaching to his community, but, but did a few miracles and left to preach where people will get his message. In other words, he was rejected. You see, in the Lord's Supper, we've participated in the Holy Communion. We eat the bread. And Jesus Christ said it simple, that this is my blood, uh, this is my body. In other words, we will get into the persecution Jesus Christ went through. The road to heaven and our walk with Christ is not as smooth as we can think, but it is full of persecution, of hate, of opposition, but we have to keep going on. We are with Jesus Christ in the struggle. We are with him. Remember Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. It says, I knock at the door. If you open, we will get together and I will dine with you. In other words, you will share the food. In other words, you share everything, the sorrows and the joys, the joys of being a Christian and being part of the air of the air and the kingdom of heaven. So in other words, you become one with Christ. So Jesus Christ said you should eat this bread, which is his sufferings, all the pain that you go through. So my brother and sisters, don't be 
deterred by, by the sorrows and the rejection that you get from your people. It may be the community, it may be your family, it may be your friends, it may be church. Keep going. Jesus Christ suffered that. Just keep your eyes on the Lord and keep going. Keep going and keep going in faith in Christ. Now, they had to eat it in haste, ready to go. God wanted them to understand that the land of slavery where they were was not their permanent home. They are eating this thing and they are leaving. They are going out of it. We partake in the Passover, Jesus says. He will not drink from this cup of the vine until the day when he drinks it anew with them in his Father's kingdom. That's Matthew chapter 26, verse 29. So Jesus Christ knew that he was leaving. He was going. So this reading, this issue when we are in the Lord's Supper, uh, the Holy Communion, or what Jesus Christ is saying, he's sensitizing us that we should know we don't belong to this earth. Please don't focus on this earth. Let not all your joys and your sorrows make you to look down and think if it's not working here, I'm stopping. No, we have an eternal home. In the Lord's Supper, in the Lord's Supper, the, the Lord says, uh, the, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25, this world is not our home. We, we, we are living it. That's what Paul is saying. But the book of Corinthians emphasizes that when you eat, we are doing to testify of the Lord's death and his resurrection. In other words, it reminds us that we are living. We are living. This world is absolutely not our home. This is not our home. So Jesus Christ is the lamb. His blood, and I'm going back to the blood. I've talked about his body, the sufferings he, he went through, just to keep us in, so that he could accomplish his, ministry, his mission on earth. We are also brought on this earth with a certain mission. God has brought you on this earth. Whoever you are, God has brought you this earth, not by mistake. There is something you have to do for his kingdom. So the persecutions, the hate, the rejection, everything you face, rest assured, they are keeping you strong. They are testing your faith. Just keep going and you'll get to your destination. Do not give up. I want to go back to the blood again. Now, we, we get to know now that the blood had to put in the, in the door, in the door, in the door frames or in the door lentils where the angel of the Lord will see the blood and he will pass. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for his blood that was shed on Calvary. This is the blood that washes our, that washes our sins away. Well, if you read in the book of uh, Revelations, you get to understand we told that those who had the name of the Lamb and his Father's name were written on their foreheads, which is, in other words, the blood became the seal. If we read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 to 21, now it is God who makes both us a new stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, sent, set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit on our, on our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. We have the seal of God. As Christians, there is a seal. God has branded us as his people, as his children, that you are mine. 
given us a title deed. Some uh, uh, scripture, some of the versions, they put it as a title deed. Jesus Christ has given us a guarantee, a deposit that we are his. This blood that was shed on Calvary, if we, profess, if we confess and say Jesus Christ is Lord, come into my heart, Lord Jesus Christ. He puts a seal in us. Revelations put it in our foreheads. But he puts a seal. You see, a seal is something that proves that this is authentic. It belongs to someone. It is a seal. In those days, it was a seal with blood. It's a seal. There is an agreement with this person. We are one. He belongs to me. We belong to God through the blood of the Lamb, through the blood of Jesus Christ. He has put it in our foreheads. So even if death comes, the angel of death comes, he will just pass. That's why the Bible says those who are in Christ, they will not die. We don't die, but we live forever. The, this body will definitely die, but we will not die. We will go to We'll go to heaven and see Jesus Christ as he is and we'll live with him forever. We have been reconciled with God through the son who died on the cross. So Jesus Christ is the lamb. Whatever happened in the early times of the Passover was fulfilled by Jesus coming and his death on the cross. He shed his own blood, his blood he shed on the cross such that we could live eternally. What he then left this sacrament that we should have the Holy Communion in remembrance of his death and, and his resurrection, that we remember him. It's a sacrament. We should do it each and every time. Now, we have Jesus Christ as the Lamb, the one who delivers us. We are free from bondage. We know that Egypt represents the life of sin, bondage and sufferings. And they were freed by the blood. And we are delivered from the life of sin by the blood. You can be delivered. You can be delivered through the blood of Jesus Christ. You can be delivered today through the blood of Jesus Christ. As we conclude, coming to the end of our session, you can be saved and be delivered. Free from the life of sin, from the suppression from the enemy, from the pharaohs, from the pharaoh of this earth, from the life of sin, you can be delivered only through the blood of the Lamb. Hebrews 9, verse 13 to 14, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of heifers sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they were outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Jesus Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from the acts that, deal to, that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. We are made sinless through the blood of Jesus Christ. Just John 1 verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, 
purify us from all sin. It is the blood that was shed on Calvary that delivers us. It is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that saves us. And we have the fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ through the blood and we have through the body of Christ and in his flesh, which is represented by the unleavened bread, we tend to share even in the sufferings and we are one with the Lord Jesus Christ. All these things does not automatically happen. I'm sorry to say, salvation is not something that uh, is generational because my father was a pastor, I am also a pastor. Or whatever you think is uh, important makes you to think you are right. No, but it is salvation you have to make a decision. It is you who has to make a decision to accept the Lord as your Savior. If you haven't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to take this time to give you an opportunity to accept the Lord as your personal Savior. Say this prayer after me. Jesus Christ, I come before you. I confess the sins I've done before you, sin and unseen. Please forgive me, Lord, and change my life to be more of you. Show me what you don't like and please wash me in your blood. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I confess that you are Lord. You died and rose from the dead. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer of faith, you are now a child of God. Just believe and live the life. Visit a church where they preach Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ is the Lamb and he's the one who died and rose again. As we celebrate Easter's, this is the time for you to enjoy the goodness of God and the expression of his love. May God bless you.